When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome to Crime Wire, a program dedicated to bringing attention to unsolved crimes and educating the public about various types of crimes and how to avoid becoming a victim. If you'd like to submit a case to Crime Wire or suggest a topic for a future show, please email us at thenewcrimewire at gmail.com. That's thenewcrimewire at gmail.com. My name is Denny Griffin, and on today's show, my co-host Delilah Jones and I will be talking about crimes against seniors and Internet scams with Robert Swinskowski, undersheriff for the United County New York Sheriff's Department. Undersheriff, welcome to CrimeWire. Thank you very much, Denny. And uh, the the topics we want to t- are, are frustrating to me personally because these scams just, uh, they drive me crazy. I got it to be honest with you. And according to the Consumer Law Center Incorporated, Americans lose an estimated 40 billion, that's with a B, each year to the fraudulent sale of goods and services over the telephone. And the elderly are frequent targets of telemarketing frauds and sweepstakes scams. Studies conducted by the CLC reveal that fraudulent telemarketers direct anywhere from 56 to nearly 80% of their calls at older customers. One sweepstakes-related scam detailed on CBS's 60 Minutes reportedly built seniors in 24 states out of an estimated $5 billion. In addition, scammers also go door-to-door offering such services as home repairs, tree trimming, driveways, and blacktopping, and again, frequently their targets are seniors. And what seems to happen in those cases is they will ask for a down payment on, on the work they're allegedly going to uh, do for you, uh, maybe half of what the job estimate is. Uh, they take that and then tell you they're going to the Lowe's or Home Depot or somewhere to get supplies, and that's the last you ever see them. So, uh, Undersheriff, can you give the listeners an overview of how these various scams work and how seniors can avoid becoming victimized? Yeah, uh, Denny, there's just a myriad of different scams you'll see out there. Um, You can go to, like, jobsearchabout.com, and and they'll list them actually alphabetically, and there's just dozens of different types of scams. And typically, whether they uh, try to um, make contact with people through, Anywhere from the Internet, the phone, people are still using, you know, the mail um, to uh, facilitate the the scam. And they're either searching for your personal information to use it, such as, you know, social security number, date of birth, things like that, or somehow to get money and funds from you um, in in promise for something else. You mentioned the sweepstakes scams, which are are very – very common, and basically what they're saying is, hey, if you've won something, 
Um, there's some monetary award, but you've got to send X amount of dollars to receive it because it's like a processing fee. And, you know, people, I mean, you can understand people get very excited um, when, when they, you know, get word of some type of windfall or anything like that. But I, I think it goes back to uh, you have to take a minute and focus and, you know, see are we, are we, is this something that's realistic and then start applying some common sense applications. Some of the frustration is this is most of these things, at least the frustrations on the law enforcement side, they're from out of the country. So once we discover them, um, we really don't have the resources nor the authority locally to address these things. And most of them are turned over to agencies like the IRS or um, the Attorney General's office. I think we've lost Denny. Darn, where did he go? I'm so sorry. That's um, no problem. Well, my question, my question is, do you feel like the prevalence of the internet? You know, now that the internet is basically like telephone and electric service in everyone's home, um, do you feel like the reason that we're seeing a lot more prevalence is is due to the internet? A lot of times, seniors don't understand some of the nuances of making friends or followers and, and chatting and, and something like that. And what's been your experience in seeing this all happen? Um, the Internet has certainly increased the ability and the occurrence of uh, scams and frauds across the board, and especially to people that don't understand it. And there are some very savvy seniors out there with technology, but they've taken the time to learn um, about the different components in the Internet and what they can run into. Um, email scams are prevalent, and, I mean, we we get them even at work. Um, so-and-so, there's um, something available for you, or sign up for this. Many of these, um, there's, there's two folds to the Internet scams, is some of them, they have malware that will get into your computer and search for personal information or infect your computer with a virus. Um, most of those contain some type of zip file where you just click on, you know, basically an attachment and, and you've, got, you've downloaded a virus or something that's detrimental to your computer. Um, and the other thing is, again, they're looking for personal information or requesting some type of transfer of funds to, to basically, hey, you, you've got something coming but you need to pay this processing fee to get it. And if you're not aware of what's going on uh, online, it, it, could be, it can happen very quickly. And one of the biggest things on that end is if you get receive an email from someone you don't know, just delete it. There, there's probably nothing that important. You have to think in the back of your head, you know, well, what am I missing? Um, you're not missing anything because how do these people know who you are, where you are, and who – who that that doesn't know you, you know, I, I, why are they sending you a, a uh, email uh, pertaining to getting some type of award or um, some information they need to, you know, you really have to think along those lines of legitimacy. Um, you're probably not going to get that through email. I mean, even, um, you know, banks and, and uh, other utility companies typically will still send you a hard copy uh, um through the mail, or if they're legitimate online companies like PayPal, 
they they tell you we will address you by name. You won't be addressed by your email. Uh, there'll be verification processes that they'll provide for you. Because what you have to remember when people are getting a hold of you for a legitimate reason, they usually have your information. They're not asking you for your information. So that that should be a red flag. And then along with that, on on on. The internet, social media now, because you mentioned messaging and things like that. People get on Facebook or other social medias where people will will try to scam people um, by friending them, and they send out all these automated spam to see if people will respond. You know, they want more friends. Next thing you know, someone's asking you for, hey, can you do this for me? Or I'm from your area, or I provide this service, or I see you like um one thing or another, and and I can provide you with something like that. So again, yeah, it's, I mean it's extremely prevalent through electronic technologies. Undersheriff. Yes, sir. If I may raise an issue that just came up in my personal life. Um, Publishers Clearinghouse is going through one of their prize award uh, sessions, and my wife. Uh, well, in fact, got involved a few months ago. She responded to one of their mailers. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, it's been like, you know, every day some type of publisher's clearinghouse uh, correspondence. You know, you got to fill this out and fill that out. We did find a couple of envelopes arrived that looked like publisher's clearinghouse, but they weren't. Uh, it was very similar, though, you know, to the to the packaging in the in the actual publisher's clearinghouse uh, literature, and so she didn't respond to those because they were looking for personal information. Sure, you know, we need your social security number so when you do win, uh, we can take care of your taxes and all that stuff. And then she got an email, uh, I think it was about two days ago, from a bank supposedly. This is all supposed. Uh, a bank saying that per her publisher's clearinghouse winnings or that she has been declared a winner of $2 million. And they're going to pay her by credit card, uh, a, a debit card. They're going to have a debit card issued to her with $2 million on it. Right. And um, all she's got to do is go to this bank's website and fill out a couple of forms and, uh, you know, then – the prize patrol will show up and hand her this this debit card with the $2 million uh, limit on it. So I advised her not to fill that out. I said, I, I, it doesn't look right to me. Absolutely. But uh, yes. when she first saw the $2 million, of course, you know, the dollar signs, you know, oh, my God, I won. And I said, you got to be very cautious. I said, and these people that are out there, these scammers, they never sleep, apparently. I mean, they come up with with the scams and then variations and then new variations and it's it's like a jungle i mean really and you know i i i love the internet stuff i do a lot of um, a lot of research and so forth on the internet and i use it a lot but it also as you were saying and delilah was saying that it it can be a if you're not careful if you're not cautious it's a real nightmare and uh it's people get grabbed when you think they wouldn't, you'd think the scheme or the scam is relatively evident, but something about it, when that money is dangled in front of people or that promise of money or the potential of, of 
you know, ended up on Easy Street. Uh, it, it common sense seems to go out the window in a lot of cases. Absolutely, and and it is. I mean, you know, whether it's desperation, whether it's greed, whether you're elated, excited, um, those are things that kind of confuse people. And I mean, that was you know great great thinking on your part because you know how much do you need? I mean, I'm currently looking at a New York State lottery authorization for deposit form. So if you won from um, the New York State lottery, you would authorize them to make a deposit. Now, they do ask for your Social Security number and things like that. However, the difference is New York State is not going to come looking for you if you have a winning ticket. <laughs> so those are the things <laughs> to think along lines. You know what? They're going to hold on to that money until you come and claim it and you initiate, hey, I've won something. So in most cases, if you haven't submitted, you know, it's just like buying a lottery ticket. If you don't buy a lottery ticket, you're not going to win the lottery. If you don't enter in these games of chance, more than likely, and you haven't, you're not going to win one. So that should be a red flag that, hey, you know, this is probably a scam. And especially when they're talking about um, transferring money through credit cards, debit cards, Western Union is a huge red flag. You know, it's basically saying we need cash or access to cash to get you some money. And that just doesn't happen. It's just like uh, if you win the lottery, you know, it's your obligation to pay the taxes on it. The the, the lot, New York State Lottery or wherever you're from, they're not going to tell you, hey, <laughs> we're going to take that money now. You're obligated to pay that. So, uh, again, those common sense applications of, you know, if it's too good to be true, it, it, it probably is. Probably is. And another little personal item, and I don't know if anybody else is having these issues. I I uh, have my phone number on the do not call registry, and that does, I guess, some good probably, but apparently there's a way now, and I, I don't really understand exactly how it works, but people can, uh, the scammers can kind of make up a phone number. Yes. And they, they'll call. Yeah. What's that all about? Are you familiar with how that works? I'm not familiar with the technology. My understanding, too, is there's actually applications on smartphones where you can uh, send what's basically a some type of cover-up. I mean, it's basically a, a, a false ID when you call someone else. So that's basically what they're doing is calling, and it's coming up like, uh, like our area code here is 315. So if I see a 315 number, I'm assuming, oh, it's probably local. And then you're getting these scams from basically all over the world. So it's just one more thing, you know, along that thought process of, hey, let's use the 607 area code and people that were scamming in that area code. So they're going to think, hey, this is a local call. It's probably not going to be some international scammer. And it's just one more way to get you on the phone. But, yeah, I mean, technology is as great as it is. It's uh, sometimes our adversary. Did would, What I've been doing now, because – and. Sometimes, uh, very seldom, they leave a message. Usually, the uh, you know they'll just hang up or disconnect. Um, but when I told my wife, I said, "If you don't recognize the phone number," I said, "Even because we were answering the three one fives, you know, we see three one five. Oh, it must be somebody we know." Sure. And um, when we found out that wasn't necessarily true, I said, "Look," I said, "If you don't recognize the number." Uh, I said, just don't answer it. If it's a legitimate call, they'll leave a message on the voicemail. Absolutely, and, and that is a fantastic common sense application. My credit card information somehow was used 
unlawfully. There was an unlawful charge attempted. My bank called me, left a message on my phone, sent me a text message, and sent me an email as a notification. Please contact us. You know, I didn't respond to the text because I never received the text like that. So I said, well, maybe this is a scam. But I did call my bank, and I said, hey, did you say yes? We sent an alert. And actually, when I called them, it recognized my phone number. They sent me right to an operator that says, we need to talk to you. So, you know, again, you're absolutely right. If someone really needs to get a hold of you, they're going to make furtive efforts to, through legitimate information and resources that you've given them. You know, like when you receive the call, hey, um, there's an issue with your credit card. Wait a minute. What credit card? They should be calling, hey, this is HSBC Bank, and you have an account. Now that's a little more legitimate. Same thing with saying, hey, the IRS has a, a warrant for your arrest, or you owe money. Okay, who am I? You know, they're not saying, yeah. hey, you know, uh, Mr. Swankowski, we ha- we need to make contact with you. And that's a whole other issue. You know, the, the IRS actually doesn't operate like that. But these scammers, again, they get people nervous. They get people scared. And, uh, you know, they feel obligated or compelled somehow, well, I should really get this taken care of right now. And really, it, you should take a, a moment, step back, and say, hold on, you know, I can hang up the phone. And if someone really needs to get a hold of me, if there's an issue, they will get a hold of me through other means. Yeah, and you well, mentioned earlier – I'm sorry, I'm go sorry. ahead, Dee. Well, I just wanted to know what your experience has been with the whole – IRS, this is your final notice. You are in big trouble. <laughs> You're going to be arrested, <laughs> and we're taking you to court. Um, you know, it seems I've had two or three of those calls, and again, I do like you do. I don't answer the. I don't answer it if it doesn't. If I don't recognize the number anymore, and if I get those calls, then I block the number so they can't call me back. But where is that scam going? What are they doing? Yeah, the IRS scams have become like personal to me, <laughs> and we've actually had, and I might not recommend this to people. We've had a little little fun with them because a lot of times they'll use, and they're they're generated out of the country, and what they're doing is they're looking for personal information or trying to get money from you. What they're typically telling you is there's some type of lien. Uh, decision against you, you owe the IRS money, we're coming to arrest you right now, something or another where they they're either want to get money from you or at least your personal information. And again, they're not addressing you by name. Right off the bat, this should be a red flag. And, um, you know, typically the, uh, they're, they're, they're very forceful, they're threatening you, um, they'll, they'll try to make themselves out like IRS agents too because when you call the IRS, you will legitimately, they'll identify themselves with an agent number. So a lot of these scammers are doing that now. However, the IRS has a ton of information about their protocol if you were ever in any type of what you want to consider collections or in violation of, of um, you know, tax laws and things like that. Everything is done through documented mail through the U.S. mail system, certified mail, and they will not deal with anyone basically on the phone or through emails unless you sign a form that authorizes them to do so. Otherwise, it's all legal. They're going to they're gonna make a paper trail if they actually have a case against you. These scammers, again, they're looking for personal information. They're looking for um, uh, you know, credit card payments, credit card information. So we've gotten their calls, blown them off, and, and you know, a couple guys have actually called them back three or four times. You know, uh, you know, who are you really? And, and basically, they're they will they're using like track phones and, and different phone systems that 
they're using a, a, a bunch of different numbers. They'll disconnect the numbers because people are calling them back saying, I know you're not the IRS and who are you really and stop calling me. So I guess to some extent that's, uh, that, you know, people having a little fun with them at the end. But, uh, you know, it's it's uh, my own cousin called me up. She was in a panic. The IRS says they're going to be on the way to, uh, you know, arrest someone here if, if we don't pay them. And I was like, you know, hold on, step back a minute and, and really think about that, you know, where where would you where was the red flag? I mean, unless you really know you've done something wrong with your taxes, you know the common person, the average person, no, you're you're not going to have those issues. And what do you think? It now I'm assuming how this works because you think there just isn't any money. You know, it's, it was tough for me when I first ran into these things to think of how anybody would profit. But obviously there must be enough people out there who respond and give the information or send the money or whatever, whatever the scam is. So what do they do? Like send out a million emails or whatever and hope they get, you know, 1% or something. Exactly. In in Nigeria alone in 2014, (laughs) this is where majority of these phone scams come from. In 2014, victims lost $12.7 billion just to Nigeria alone. Yeah. So you you got to figure if you take $10 from a person and you call 100,000 people and you get $10 from each of them, just $10, there's a million dollars right there. So, again, small amounts and quantities. Now, you know, whether the IRS scam, I've never got to the to the point or, or heard of someone what they're actually asking me. Hey, if you pay $500 or if you pay $1,000. But I know of people who have been built out of up to, you know, $10,000 on various scams or simply if, you know, this $50 fee will get you this. And, you know, those are typically service scams. Um, something promising something for a small amount, but they're calling exactly like you said. It's the multiplier effect. They're calling tens of thousands of people or hundreds of thousands of people and getting these small amounts and building up, you know, the the equity through that that they're looking for. So it all adds up. Absolutely. Uh, I I don't admit this very often, but <laughs> when I when I first started uh, writing as a second career. Uh, I was sending out manuscripts to various publishers and agents and so forth. And uh, I I always thought the writing was kind of a benign industry. I didn't realize that that's rife with scammers as well. And I got uh, grabbed and I thought I was a little smarter than that, but I learned a lesson. Uh, I had a uh, an agent write me back after I'd sent us some sample chapters to him. And he said, you know, we really like uh, like what you got here. We think the entire manuscript would be a, you know, a blockbuster and all that kind of stuff. And they really know how to puff me, you know, They're tell me exactly what I wanted to hear. Man, I, I got a bright future in front of me for, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, you had to send them $500 to get a contract. Now, I should have seen through that, but I was gullible, I was naive, and as far as the writing business went, and I just said, man, I said, this is uh, this is great, I'll have a contract with an agent, I can put that out there that I'm represented and all this stuff, um, and I, I, went, I went for it, I paid $500 to this person, 
and uh, never did get a contract. So I yeah. started wondering. Yeah. Uh, and it turned out uh, by the time I finally realized that something wasn't right, um, the guy was already indicted for fraud. Wow. And in fact, he's, he's uh, he went to jail. It was several, it was many years ago, so I'm yep. sure he's out now. But uh, the point was, I should have of anybody. I should have known better. But they they bilked me by telling me and puffing me up to what a great writer I was, and uh, and I fell for it. So I know when I think that I I don't want to be too critical of people. Cause I think I I bit myself at one point. So I guess everybody might make a mistake. But uh, it it you really do have to be on your toes every second. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, I learned when they ask you for money up front and I'm talking about the writing business now, any publisher or agent that says, send us a check, you run like a, a thief oh, yeah. in the night because you don't want any part of that. You know, and you certainly, we never want to send the message from law enforcement to people that people are foolish or unintelligent by falling for your scams because these scams are designed to con you. They're, they're, you know, formulated and their strategies to say, how do we, you know, play on people's feelings? Do we get them nervous? Do we get them happy? Do we, they want to sell you something either you're, you're so afraid that you do this or, geez, I'm so intertwined in it that I want to. So, you know, people, and what, what's frustrating is some people, if they feel so foolish or they're embarrassed, they won't report it. And we definitely don't want that to happen. You know, it's very important that these crimes get reported. One of my executive officers in the agency just in the last year, I got a phone call at home, and they're like, "Hey, you're, you know, you're defaulted on your student loans," and 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 he's like, "Well, wait a minute, no." And he actually did have student loans, so right off the bat, this has to be legitimate. So, hey, you know, could you verify your social security number? Yep, gave him the social security number. Next thing, about five minutes later, he's like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> what company is this?" Well, it wasn't the loan company that he he was with the bank that he went through, and he he just realized that he'd been scammed, and he gave a social security number to someone else. He, uh, you know, he signed up for a, uh, a credit and uh, personal information protection um, product after that to, to monitor his credit so if, in case his social security number was used or anything like that, and he'll, he'll probably have that, he said, probably for the next year or two to make sure, you know, um, nothing comes up. But anybody can be a victim of these, anybody. That's when they go back to the con man jobs and stuff like that, this is, this is exactly what it is. And I don't want to get into uh, too much about identity theft today because we're going to cover that uh, in, in a future program. But um, any of these solicitations and calls, uh, and like you were saying earlier, Under Sheriff, when, when you get an email uh, allegedly from some company that you're a client of or a customer of, and they say, dear sir or madam, you know, yeah, you know, that uh, yeah, something's something's not right there. And in addition to potentially a greed factor or a fear factor, like these IRS things, or you know, we're we're coming to get you. Uh, uh, so they they can really uh, play on people and and people who want to who don't like things hanging over their head, who like to keep everything resolved uh, in a timely manner. Like you say, they they don't step back right away to think think it through and say, is there something wrong here? They immediately call up or, or respond somehow and provide that information. And then upon further reflection, they may say, holy mackerel, that probably wasn't a very good thing to do. 
you bring up a great point. Attention to detail is very important. Um, I have a PayPal account. And PayPal sent out emails to everyone saying there's a lot of scams going around. And look at the header, just like you said. It'll say, dear sir or madam. Or it'll actually say your email address. And PayPal says, we do not address our, our uh, customers in this fashion. We will always use a greeting with Mr. or Mrs., your first name and your last name, and your account number will be there. And we'll never ask you for personal information. And that's, again, it's a red flag. Okay, let me verify your account. What's your Social Security number? You know, first thing you should say is, you tell me my Social Security number because you should have my information. So you're absolutely right. It's really, you really need to go over some of these things with a fine-tooth comb. They look a little bit off, and you say, you know, because I've been there. I've, I've gone to sign in and into an account, and I'll be like, wait a minute, this doesn't look like the normal website, and you know what? It's a scam to get personal information. Why are they asking for my date of birth and my social security number to sign my account? They never do. Those are things you got to take a step back and say, wow, this is this is probably a scam. Uh, you know, there's a, another thing. It's a, a form of scam, I believe. When you get a phone call, and generally a voice uh, with the uh, accent probably from Indonesia or Pakistan or whatever. And they say, we've noticed that your Internet isn't working properly or that you, your computer may have a virus. Yep. And they, they are a tech company or whatever, and they, uh, they almost act like they represent Microsoft. But, you know, sure. That they're affiliated somehow with Microsoft. And um, for $250 or something, they'll do a complete cleaning of your uh, – of your computer and get rid of the viruses and all that. And it, it, that also apparently works because it, you know, they keep doing it. So they must get people. And I know when I got one of those calls, my computer was working fine. And all of a sudden they, this guy's telling me that, well, you have a virus. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. We're, you know, I, I don't have a virus. I mean, everything is working beautifully. And then, uh, they wanted to uh, me to pay him by credit card two hundred and fifty dollars, and then they would uh, they would clean my computer for me. So uh, that's another version, I guess, of a and there's actually kind of a two fraud. parts to that scam. Not only are they getting the money from you for the service, well, a lot of them what they'll do is they'll have you download a quick software that takes about a minute to download, not even, and what it does. It allows them access to your computer. You'll you'll sit there and watch your mouse start moving, and they'll go through anything on your computer. You have granted them access to everything in your computer, and it takes about a minute. And they'll tell you, oh, we need this just to uh, repair it, and we're going to go in and fix it. And you know what? They have everything. So anything you keep in there, if just passwords, what you uh, have access to, what you go online to, um, you know, people keep. Um, themselves signed in to like their bank accounts or stuff like that they have access to all that stuff at that point so wow that's that's just a scary scary scam and and it's intricate and and on their end it's very simple to do we do this at work if i if i have a problem my computer i call the guys in it and i said hey something's wrong my computer they literally log right into my computer and get in and fix it and that's essentially what you're doing with some outside entity is you're just allowing them into your computer, and at the same time, they're giving your personal information or your credit card, you're paying them or whatever it is. But, again, it's a very intricate scam. Well, what's your experience been with hackers? I mean, hackers nowadays are becoming 
you know, just as slick as as any criminal out there. Um, what can we do to prevent that, if anything? Um, a lot of the hacking where it used to be where people were seeking out to get into places, most of the time it was banks, and they'll get what they call batches of credit card numbers, and then they just they go out and use them. Um, on an individual basis, what you'll see is those emails, those, those phishing emails, they call them, where they're looking for personal information. They had that attached zip file, hey, download this. And what it is is you're, you're getting that malware, that intrusive software, the viruses that are um, taking personal information or affecting your computer. Basically, you get that message that said, hey, they call it ransomware. For, uh, you can't open your computer until you call this number and pay $500. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, they take their, their ransomware down or that message down. Um, they're all scams. So basically the phishing scams are you don't have to do a lot of work. You're just looking for someone to essentially, like phishing, bite. And as soon as they, you know, reply to your information or subscribe to it, that's, that's when they have that information and that's where the scams begin. That is, is I, I, when you mentioned the ransomware, that's uh, you hear once in a while where a hospital will, will their computer system will get hacked and and held ransom and they can't access patient records or anything. I mean that uh, it's bad enough if it's just a private individual, but when you're shutting down a medical facility, yeah, that's. That's pretty dire, you know. I mean, there's a lot of bad Absolutely. things. Absolutely, we have like it here. That. I mean, we have. I have three people in my office, and we we employ 450 people. I have three people that just work on internet, or I'm sorry, uh, technology with the internet and and all our computers. Um, it's an IT unit, and basically, they spend a, a substantial amount of time on putting virus protection in and and looking for you know, malware and ransomware and things like that to make sure we're not affected. Is And our county government does it as well. They have a whole central services unit, and that's part of their job. And it's, you know, so taxpayers are even paying for that information to be protected. So, I, you know, along the lines of that happening in a hospital, I, that's, I could see that happening. Jeepers. Uh, Delilah, what uh, you said you've gotten some of these IRS letters and stuff. How Do you... Uh, do you get all the other stuff we've been talking about too? I mean, you get these phone calls with allegedly with your computer being being in need of repair and all that kind of stuff. I haven't necessarily gotten phone calls for that. Um, I do get a lot of emails for that. Uh, you know, in the business that I'm in with social media marketing, I'm you know I'm a sitting duck for a lot of that stuff. So I do get a lot of that through my email, but. Again, unless I, I do the same thing with emails. If I don't know who the person is sending me the email or if the subject line is kind of fishy, I don't open it. I just delete it. I figure, again, if it's something that's important that someone needs for me to know, they'll find a way to get a hold of me. Um, I also, for my business, I have, uh, I have a, a dedicated number which takes messages and so a lot of things will come through there and again I can I can delete or call back and if they want to get a hold of me they can do it that way as well so 
I, again, haven't received personal phone calls looking for that kind of information. But, um, in fact, I got an, an email yesterday from someone that I do know. And it came up that this, you know, with a warning from my computer with a warning on it. And it said this is possibly a scam or, or an email that was looking for information. So I never opened it. And then... Um, it was announced that this did not come from her. Yeah, that happens too where you'll see an email come up that is someone you do know or it's it's very the, the address is very close to someone you know. When it's someone you know, more than likely what has happened is they were hacked and now a third party is sending out a bunch of email, phishing emails or ransomware malware or whatever it is, scams through their email address. So right, I somebody, think that's exactly what happened. Didn't that happen to you, Denny? It it did, and uh, I got hacked apparently at one point, and the hacker, I don't know what else they took, but they accessed my email list, my address book. Yep. So they had now, they of course knew my email, and they had my address book. And every so often, I mean, I've changed passwords and mail accounts and all that stuff since, but they still have that, whoever took it. And then I guess some of these people, they steal the stuff, then they sell it to other scammers. They yeah. sell lists, I guess, that are uh, to other people. And uh, every so often, somebody will say, is this email legitimate? You know, because it comes under my email or my name. Right. And uh, the, the email will consist nothing. It'll say, uh, hi there, and then a link. And no yeah. message, yep. just a link. Yeah, that's and a I don't red know flag. where those links go. Red but... flag. Absolutely. <laughs> I've even so had, are... had. I don't think I've been hacked. Maybe I have and just don't know it. But I do. I do try to change my passwords all around, you know, on a regular basis. Or if I do see something that isn't just right, then I will change the password to either my email or Facebook or any social media accounts that someone might have access to. But you know, and I have a couple of different email addresses. I have one for strictly for my business. I have one that's personal, and then I have one on other email platforms but they're all they're all pointed to the one email address so i get them from everywhere but i i've gotten emails from myself so i know somebody's been in there doing (laughs) something yeah and it's funny with technology now with the phones you know we don't remember anyone's phone numbers because we've got names on our phones but now we probably remember just as many different passwords for stuff (laughs) yes (laughs) So I wish I had the ability to remember them. <laughs> oh, I know. You know, as as we've been talking here, I'm even uh, more in awe of the number of scams as, as we're talking about all the, the different types. I mean, it's, it's just really incredible, and I'm sure we're just touching the surface of uh of what is out there. And uh, like I say, they seem to come up with new stuff for different versions like daily. I mean, and, just, uh, just getting online and done. I mean, you hit that right on the head, just the top scams in the U S I mean, I'll, I'll just go through some of the, the uh, groupings they put them in. There's tech support scams, fake counterfeit merchandise scams, pets for sale scams, grant scams, collection agency scams, 
vacation scams, payday loan scams, sweepstakes scams, timeshare scams. I mean, the lists of scams are ridiculous. I looked, I couldn't believe, and I would never think of some of these, but it's everything. <laughs> Anything you can think of, whether it's getting information or money, there's a scam out there for it. God. And when you look at the statistics and some of the figures out there, again, uh, we're not talking millions with an M. We're talking billions with a B. I mean, you're talking serious, serious money. Absolutely. Billions, billions of dollars. God. And I think I probably get at least three or four of the Nigerian sweepstakes and all that kind of stuff per week, you know, different night. And like you were saying, undersurf Nigeria is a hotbed apparently for this scam. Yeah. Stuff. And, you know, people are getting ingenuitive. We, we literally put out notices, you know, a few times a year about the IRS scams, or whatever else is going on. We happen to put the IRS scam out. In, in the week the IRS scam came out, we had a pers- someone calling people saying they're, they were Lieutenant Richardson of the United County <laughs> Sheriff's Office, and one of their family members was arrested. But if they brought money up to the parking lot of our facility, they would let them go. <laughs> and as crazy as it sounds, people would start calling us. They're like, hey, we wanted to talk to Lieutenant Richardson about bringing money up there. One, we don't have a Lieutenant Richardson. Two, what are you talking about? And they told us to scam. We're like, oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, people really have just the <laughs> – <laughs> the, the brazenness to do something like this. But, you know, I believe it would happen. I believe someone would sit up here in our parking lot in the middle of the night and wait for someone and victimize them because people are desperate. Criminals are desperate, you know? Yeah. God. Uh, Undersheriff, we're, we're uh, starting to get a little bit close on time, and I wanted to uh, get into one other subject area for a second, be, be sure. sort of. To kind of finish up with these the scams, um, would it be safe to say the old thing, if it sounds or looks too good to be true, it probably is, and before you act or respond to one of these messages, a phone message or an email or Facebook or whatever, step back for a few minutes and, and take a second look, and if you see these things such as... Uh, you know, dear sir or madam things where they don't seem to have information they should have, uh, you know, that take that second look and just think before you, you know, dial their number or, or respond affirmatively or send money or give them information. Would that be a kind of good guidelines? I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I really couldn't have. I mean, you know, apply the best common sense you can. And, and remember, if you can, if you're interested in what someone's offering them, try to verify it. Whether it's, well, two points to make basically is if you're on the phone or you're on a computer, remember, you're on the phone, you're on a computer. I mean, it, it's a simple off switch. It's a simple not clicking someone. You're not obligated to, to follow instructions from people on a phone and the Internet, regardless of who they are. If it's legitimate, someone will get a hold of you through legitimate means. So, you know, use the Internet to your advantage. What company you're from, Google it, you know, and there's lists of companies that are, are scamming companies. Um, there's other websites to go to that tell you uh, signs of being scammed, things like that. Just don't be compelled to do something right at that time because if it's legitimate, 
it'll always be there. And these people say, well, we got to have it now. you got to do it now. It, it's probably not legitimate. And when you have the people that are coming like to your homes, the driveway ceiling scams, the utility scam, I'm the codes officer, don't answer your door. Talk through your door if, if you're not comfortable answering your door. Don't let people into your house. If it gets to the point where you're uncomfortable, call the police. I mean, even if your local codes officer was at your, your house and you didn't know who they were and you had the police come down to verify this person's identity, they would understand. It's the scammers and the con people that, you know, we need to find. And if they're going door to door, that poses a, you know, a greater level of danger, in my opinion. Call the police. Say, you know what, hold on, I'll be right back. Lock your door, call 911, and have the police investigate if these people are legitimate solicitors, if they're legitimate business people. And if not, that's a great way to help us, you know, police your area and keep the community safer. But with what you said, really, just take that minute, sit back, and really think about how legitimate something is, and just don't be compelled to, uh, you know, to make a knee-jerk reaction to make a decision to give someone your information or, or money. Great advice. Um, any comments, Dee, before we move on? Well, I just think in all of this, the targets are the people who can least afford it. I agree. I agree. You know, yeah. being being the elderly and people who who may not be as internet savvy as as some. I know I'm not as savvy as my 11 year old grandson. If I need something, if I need to know how to do something, I call him. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a great uh, point. And you know, I mean, you know, not getting too off track, but sticking with family values and stuff like that, and people are close and important to you. You know, you were raised by your parents or, or some loved one that took care of you and educated you. You know, as my parents get older, I make sure, hey, you, you know, you know when you're on Facebook, you're aware of this, this, or that, or, you know, that this scam's out here. You know, call me if you have any questions. You know, make sure we're taking care of, of people who may not be so familiar, whether they're young or older, um, with technologies and scams and, and educating them that, you know, things that are too good to be true typically are. Okay, well, that I think... Uh Hopefully the listeners uh, will will come away with some uh, good ideas here about how to help protect themselves from becoming victims. And I want to close just for a minute, if we could, on uh, what to me is a very troubling situation. Uh, of late, we've had some shootings, uh, executions, basically, of uh, police officers around the country. And I was just wondering, under Sheriff, if you have any uh, thoughts or comments on what's going on with that situation. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I share the same sentiments. It, it almost seems like our relationship in this country uh, between the different diverse uh, cultures and people we have is kind of going backwards, and it, it's putting a lot of strain um, on, on various areas. And even the people that don't see it directly, like in our community, I, I mean, we've, we have a lot of diversity we have great relationships with all, all different types of people in our community. Um, and I don't think we see it directly, but indirectly everyone feels it. You, you, can, you can tell that tension. So on, on the community part, you know, in law enforcement, you know, we're colorblind. We, we provide a service of public safety to everyone, no matter who they are. You know, we always hold the, the, uh, that paramount 
part of the law where even when we arrest people, they're innocent until proven guilty. So we keep that you know, very close to us and that we use a lot of objectivity in our jobs. And like anything else within the community or within other organizations, there are people that they either make mistakes or they make intentional bad decisions, whether it's a use of force decision or anything like that. However, I think one important thing for people to keep in mind is, you know, it's okay to be upset and it's okay to voice your opinion about this. One, let due process take its course. Police are not above the law, and if they do something wrong, they certainly will be held accountable if that agency is worth, you know, their, their weight in any form or fashion. You know, they will ha- hold their officers to uh, a higher standard. But just let's not judge until we have all the information out there, because that due process that's afforded to the citizen is the same due process you should be afforded to anyone accused of any wrongdoing. Um, and on our end, you know, we if there's deficiencies in organizations, you know, we're all about public service. We are public servants, and that's one thing all agencies should keep in mind. And if there's any deficiencies we have, we should improve upon them through relations with community, training our officers, on um, basically interaction as a whole. You know, policing was created out of the need for people within the community to look out for each other's interests. And, and that's something I think we really need to fall back to. Um, these killings, you know, they're inexcusable. They're murders. They're not um, statements of protest. They're not um, expressions of, of people being suppressed in society. They're murders. Um, it certainly isn't the way to demonstrate um, a point of view. And I go back to a, a very great person who was probably one of the most well-known person, uh, advocates of civil rights, and it's Martin Luther King Jr. And, and he's not here with us today, but I certainly would think from how he, what he was a proponent of and how he achieved things, he would be disgusted with some of the things and ways people are dealing with now. And, and I can tell you, when you're voicing your opinion and you're breaking the law doing it, or advocating for violence, your message is lost. And um, I'm all for people's First Amendment's rights, and we will protect and preserve them and facilitate them, but as long as people remain peaceful in, in voicing their concerns in this country. Well, I think that's a very good spot to uh, to close out the show with those with those thoughts and comments. Uh, Under Sheriff, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. It's been uh, very informative. And um, we'll be talking again in the near future about some other uh, crime-related topics. It's my pleasure, and I I appreciate both your times, and I appreciate what you're doing for the community out there. Okay, thank you. And to the audience, uh, until next time, stay safe and join us for the next edition of CrimeWire. Bye-bye.
Hey, we love Burger King grilled dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. Mm. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. July 23rd is the most important holiday of the year, National Hot Dog Day. Celebrate by going to Burger King and asking for the Dollar Classic Grilled Dog deal. How else are you going to celebrate? Try the $1 Classic Grilled Dog only at Burger King. At participating restaurants, July 23rd, limit five per transaction while supplies last.